slash and cast. Welcome back, fiends, to Handle Whisk Air, presented by the Slash Incast Podcast Network. Our show discusses horror movies and the phobias they emphasize. I am your host, Emily Drunk, and tonight's episode is the first of the month, meaning we have a new theme for the month. And throughout August, we are going to be highlighting some foreign originals up against their Americanized counterparts in regards to their remakes, reimaginings, clothes, whatever the hell you want to call them, because I'm sure we're going to have a little bit of column A, B, and C in that regard. But before I introduce you to my co-host, just a few general reminders. Of course, you can always follow the podcast here over on X at Handle with Scare and join us every Tuesday night. Twisted Tuesdays over on Kick at 7.30 p.m. Pacific Time. So joining me tonight, as always, is my co-host, Grindhouse Zombie. And Zombie, you know, tonight we are taking a look at one of the earlier found footage flicks out there. And arguably, probably still one of the best offerings amongst that subgenre, which, of course, is Wreck, released in 2007. And along with that, we'll be discussing the U.S. remake uh, which was quarantine, which was in two thousand and eight. Yeah, I was googling real quick to see if there was a fear of a remade movie. There's not. <laughs> I'm kind of surprised. There's a fear of every other damn thing in the world. Um, no, yeah, uh, you know, watching the movie last night, and you know, I've seen Wreck probably two dozen times. I've seen Quarantine probably a dozen times. Um, I want to emphasize that I. I like them both. Mm-hmm. I think they both they both have their virtues. Um, but like we were talking pre-show, Wreck is just the better movie. Um, and I honestly don't think it's better because it did it first or mm-hmm. that there's some tones in it that aren't necessarily in quarantine. It's, it's just better. Um, the only truly detracting thing for me is that when the pace gets really frenzied, mm-hmm. um, you really have to pay attention to what's on the screen because you've got to read the movie, right? Um, and I know one of the first few times I watched this, and it wasn't a super pay attention watch when I was younger, you, you sort of lose a lot of things. And if you don't really pay attention at the end of this movie, you're really losing a lot because there's some exorcist vibes. There's definitely some evil dead vibes in the very end. And if you're not paying attention, you're not going to know what's going on. So. I'll give, for, for the paying attention factor, I'll give quarantine the nod because you can just kind of, you know, pace your way through it and you're probably not going to miss a whole lot. Yeah, and uh, it's it's interesting to me too because obviously I saw Wreck first when it came out. Um, and when I had first heard rumblings about a US remake coming out, I was like, oh, okay. So I wonder if that means they're going to bring Wreck stateside. And sure enough, what ended up happening was Quarantine came out one week uh, in 2008. And then the very next week, 
uh, Wreck had a limited US release, which, you know, I, I didn't get to catch it then. I, I basically caught it uh, video on demand. But, it, but it's been interesting because obviously, you know, when we're talking about US remakes, uh, there are definitely some that are more paint by the numbers, some that are more like influenced by, uh, you know, current cinema in regards to the US. Uh, but I would say in regards to faithful adaptations, at least to like the source material, Quarantine actually is more beat by beat compared to a lot of other remakes out there. Now, that being said, there are also uh, originals and remakes out there that are absolutely identical, so much so that they brought on the same director and literally did a shot by shot remake like we got in Funny Games, which is not going to be one that we're probably going to pick because of that reason. Uh, but just a rare, rare occurrence that that happens. But, you know, for the most part, Quarantine is a very successful movie. Um, but if you are not familiar with Wreck, obviously your experience with Quarantine is going to be very different. Uh, because, you know, watching them back to back days, you know, obviously like, I'm like, oh, I'm just like basically watching the same movie, except one is Jennifer Carpenter in it. And uh, that's basically the extent of the difference outside of the transmission of the disease in the movie, uh, which, of course, both of them take uh, kind of a different uh, pace in regards to that. Uh, but the gist of the story, at least, Barebones, uh, a television reporter and her cameraman follow an emergency worker, or in this case, you know, a fire crew, uh, into a dark apartment building and are quickly locked inside with something terrifying. And, you know, for, I would say, like, for the most part, we have a slightly different portrayal in regards to the main actress, who is a TV reporter. Uh, obviously, with the remake, you have Jennifer Carpenter, who is... Uh, not as seasoned in regards to uh, her her role, at least within the movie. Uh, she's basically like the host of I want to say it was the Night Shift was a was a TV show that she was doing. That um, sounds right. Yeah. And then you have Angela, who has been doing this for quite some time, who seems less frantic, I would say, when shit starts to hit the fan later on in the movie. So she seemed a little bit more composed. Uh, but you know, it was interesting in the remake. Uh, Jennifer Carpenter had a lot more pushback when it came to like the authorities and like the authorities in the movie, especially like with the police officer and like shoving him and getting him into space when they were getting locked in initially and told to like back away from the windows. Well, I think you're right, but I also think that is uh, a very American response mm -hmm. right. to something like that. Um, I, I think in other countries. Um, and I don't want to get into a pissing contest with the whole world. I think just the authorities are more respected. People are more inclined to take a step back when told to. Where when here, you know, the uh, the healthy uh, disdain for the authorities is, is almost encouraged in a lot of ways. Right. Um, so I think that was one of the definitely one of the main differences of the movie. But I think it, that was also what made it very American. Mm -hmm. So yeah, totally makes sense to me. And then yeah, the the character overall too. It, to your point, uh, oddly anti-authoritarian, but at the same time, more what I would call screamy and just, you know, kind of constantly losing her shit versus um, Manuela Velasco as uh, Angela. Oh, God. Just, <laughs> um, she she does her fair share of screamy, but she always, to your point, seems very, very much more composed and very much a part of the next solution, whereas in 
quarantine, a lot of times it almost feels like the character's more in the way than anything else. You know, it's it's interesting, too, because, like, back in the 2000s, there was really, like, a boom you know, in regards to, like, these foreign remakes. Uh, and they're, like, all over the place. A lot of them were the Asian remakes, but in this case, uh, this one came from Spain. But, you know, I just remember, like, when I was doing the shortlist, I was like, okay, well, like, what remakes are out there? Uh, let's see, there was One Missed Call, there was The Uninvited... And I'm, I'm primarily looking at, like, the forward ones. We had, like, The Grudge, The Rain. Uh, you also had Funny Games, which I had mentioned earlier. You know, you had The Wicker Man, Slither, Pulse. There, there's, like, so many, like, within, like, a five-year period that it was just, like, okay, this is the thing that we're doing. We're constantly going to be Americanizing these films. Oh, they also watered down Martyrs uh, in the 2000s as well for the American audience. Why we needed a U.S. version of that movie, I will never quite understand especially with the subject matter uh i'd be curious to see if they do a similar direction with that though in regards to the religious aspect kind of like what they did uh or lack thereof with quarantine uh but you know we'll get into that um so i think for me when you're comparing these two movies it seems like when we're talking about the original with wreck uh, specifically when it comes to the character there's a lot more like uh like anonymous or on Anonymity. God, I cannot talk. That's just a hard anonymity? word. Yeah, an- anonymity. Whereas, anonymity. <laughs> yeah, my, that's my speech impediment coming back to bite me in okay. the ass. Uh, <laughs> but we're we're in like quarantine. You know, we spend a lot more time with the characters like really early on. Like they really make it a point to like introduce you to a lot of the fire crew. Uh, there's like more time, uh, just like fucking around with like the like, a locker room area for whatever reason in quarantine that you don't really get in Wreck. So it's, like, the first, like, 10, 15 minutes, we just spend a lot more time there in re- as compared to, like, saying, going right into uh, the action shortly thereafter, like, what we have in Wreck. So, you know, just a different take, but it just seems like we have relative unknowns in regards to the original and more, I want to say, like, well-known and more established actors in quarantine, but more of a household name compared to what we would have had in the original. Oh, no, absolutely. I think one of the things that Rec does really well is it, it, it is okay with not knowing, you know, the phone number, the social security number and the blood type of every single character that you encounter. Mm-hmm. It, even going so far as um, the cameraman, Pablo in Rec, you never see him. You know, you see his feet a couple of times, you see his hands a couple of times, but you never see him. And in quarantine, they go out of their way to introduce him to you so you can see him and so you can kind of try to relate. And I think Rectus, Rectus does a better job of here's what you get, relate the best that you can. Um, and it, even though, I hate to say this, but I almost feel like Rec was for a slightly different audience than quarantine was. Um, and I suppose Spanish versus American. I mean, that sort of kind of makes sense. But at the same time, um, for a lot of movies, and especially I think when it comes to remakes, people like to have things spoon-fed to them so they're not guessing. Um, and in Wreck, there's a lot of, I don't know what you want to call gray area when it comes to the characters. Who's who? Mm. You know, where do they live? I mean, and you get a little bit of it towards the end, but you know, who lives in what, but like in quarantine, it's like, this character lives in four sixteen a, you know, it's like, well, okay. So what, you know, why do I care? 
Mm. I mean, and I know that it, it comes to play a little bit towards the end when they're trying to figure out where to go, but at the same time, it's like, what did you, what did you clip out, or how much longer is this movie to give me these little pieces of information that I don't really care about? Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because, like, they give you more details there. <coughs> but when we get into the third act in the movie, I felt like quarantine uh, really rushed through things uh, in regards to that. But, you know, I'll save that for uh, just a little bit. But to your point with the cameraman, especially in quarantine, it's not even, like, a minute into the movie before we see him step into the frame to, like, fix uh, Jennifer Carpenter's hair. Uh, to be yeah. camera ready, and it's just like, oh, oh, okay, was that really needed at that point? Uh, whereas with uh, Pablo, we just never fucking see him uh, outside of just you know a couple of shots up his feet throughout. Um, but wh- what what I will say is with quarantine, um, I I thought it was, I, I appreciated the fact that they had turned to a director who had already kind of done kind of like a found footage movie. Uh, which was, uh, what was the brother team of John and Drew Dowdle who did the Poughkeepsie tapes, which for the longest time was like such a fucking hard movie to find. Yeah. Uh, in the U.S. especially. I don't know if that was just a distribution thing or what the ordeal was there, but it took me probably like, I would say at least seven or eight years after I had first heard about it before I was actually able to sit down and watch it or just find a place to, to like actually stream it on because it was just like, Nowhere to be found for whatever reason, but uh, it's not the only, like, independent movie to, uh, you know, kind of suffer that fate. Um, but, you know, we... Very basic setup for, for both movies, I would say. There's a lot of parallels uh, in regards to, you know, how they... Uh, like, their, their whole goal for, like, being in the apartment. Uh, you know, obviously you have the, the news reporter just trying to get the scoop, or just, like go through, like, the daily routine of, like, what a firefighter does. And in the U.S. version, I I felt like they spent more time not only with the fire crew, but also, like, trying to explain, like, okay, like, what are the duties of the fire crew? And they spent, like, time to actually, like, go through the fact that, uh, you know, they're talking about, like, paramedics and how a lot of the first responders are actually from the firehouse, and it's not, like, just, like, straight from the hospital and things like that, which was... uh, kind of, like, overlooked in regards to Wreck, but again, that could also just be, you know, because it's a different audience, maybe it's not operated the same way in regards to Spain. Uh, So, you know, just minor things here and there, but nothing that really, like, stood out. Uh, I think, like, probably the biggest thing, at least that I noticed when you just compare the two side by side, is, yes, you do have a lot of uh, similar, uh, like, scare tactic moments in the movie, uh, but quarantine definitely upped, I would say, the body count. So they also oh, yeah. did a f- they added some scares on top of that. But I, I I can't remember like in Wreck. I know they were talking about like one of the dogs being sick, and they they had that storyline in both movies. But we actually got to see the dog in action in quarantine. Yeah, with the elevator scene. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that I mean, and I. I think with Wreck, it just became a point of, like, sticking to the story. I mean, and obviously, as you get into the Wreck series, um, the the sick dog actually comes into play in Wreck 3. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, oddly enough, our, our cinematographer, Pablo, from Wreck, is the cinematographer in Wreck 3. It's the same actor, you know, being the cinematographer again. Um, so I think I kind of, as a... 
I don't know, as an animal person, I love the idea of, hey, maybe an animal had a part to do with this. Generally speaking, when you've got animals on screen, and especially when they're sick in some way or something like that, that's not something that I like to watch. I don't, I don't ever want to think about taking a sledgehammer to my dog because it's growling at me and you know foaming at the mouth. I don't ever want to think about that. So, um, I, I don't know. I think I'm guessing that leaving it out was probably for them probably more of a budget choice than it was anything else. Um, but at the same time, just giving us that little bit of the story was sort of enough. Mm-hmm. You know, it, I didn't, I didn't need to see a dog jump into an elevator and maul the shit out of a guy. I just, it, you know, but I think that's what we talked about, how quarantine definitely upped the body count a lot. And that was one of the places where they did it. Um, and it's funny that they did it there and Rec didn't do it, but then Rec used it as a future storyline for a future installment, mm-hmm. you know, with the, uh, I believe it was the uncle in Rec 3 that had been, was coming to the wedding and had been bitten by a dog earlier that day. So if you, if you follow, if you know Rec 3, and by, by all means, go out and watch Rec 3, because it's the second best of the entire franchise. Um, if, you, if you take it for what it's worth, it's likely the same day or maybe even the day after as Rec. Yep. You know? And there's a lot of scenes in Rec 3 as they go forward into the night and then into the next day. There's, there's spots in Rec 3 where you just, in the background, you hear sirens, right? And they're not coming to the wedding yet. So it's, you know, I, it's, I just love how it's framed. I love, the, I love the lore and I love the connection to all the different movies. Yeah, absolutely. And for those that haven't seen the other installments for Wreck, um, one of the things that Wreck 3 did that was uh, vastly different from the rest of the franchise, or at least like the earlier installments, because 4 is definitely a little bit more open. Um, but, you know, if you were a fan of like the, the Bloody Bride and Chainsaws and just... Uh, taking the story in kind of a different direction and just opening up a bit more, 3 definitely does that in spades, so much to the point where it's like, you know, Quarantine and Quarantine 2 are vastly different movies, and I, I, rem- I remember watching uh, Quarantine 2 Terminal and really liking that one more than the remake, um, but I don't think I ever went out of the way to actually pick up either of the movies, unlike with Wreck, you know, I do have, you know, the Blu-ray, <laughs> Oh, sweet. Wow. Collection. Cool. So that that should tell you which one I prefer over the other. Uh, but quarantine, <laughs> but like quarantine was still a solid movie. Quarantine to uh, I, I like that it, you know, went in a different direction it had a different type of set into it, which definitely helped make it stand out. Uh, but, you know, if we're like ranking things, you know, I know Wood was asking me about this and I posted it in our discord. Um, if we're talking about, like, the, the entirety of, like, both Wreck and Quarantine, I would probably put it, uh, Wreck, Wreck 3, probably Quarantine 2, then Wreck 2, Quarantine, and probably Wreck 4. Wreck 4, I had a lot of issues with when I first saw it, and I haven't really gone back to, like, revisit it. Uh, so I'll have to do that at some point, because after watching the first movie, obviously I want to, like, I really want to go back right now and, like, watch the other three movies to, to see if it, like, still holds up as much as I remember. Uh, but, you well, know, see, f- yep. Oh, I was just going to say, see, Rec, Rec 3 is The Nightmare on Elm Street 2, mm-hmm. Halloween 3, right. Friday the 13th Part 5, right? It's that bastard where we're going to change everything. 
the the one difference is that they changed everything and it was fantastic right um see quarantine 2 the terminal i honestly like i enjoyed the movie i mean the movie was enjoyable but i also think it could have been called anything else that is true yeah it could have been called airport zombies and that would have been fine just because of the lack of the connection so it's like i i think that's one of the reasons i like the rec series so much is that through all of them there is some connection it might be slightly tenuous but like even getting into three when you hear the uncle talk about being bitten on the hand if you go back and you think about rec one you're like that was talked about Mm -hmm. you know so there's strings that go between the movies that are basically unbroken whereas quarantine two it was just like yeah it was entertaining something happened in an airport but it was you know like i said airport zombies or diehard zombies or something you know just because it could have been kind of anything but it kind of goes it's the same as quarantine itself um it, it isn't it isn't that I dislike the movie. I just saw Wreck first. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think had it been the other way around, I think you're right. I think the experience might have been different. I might have had a, a more um, judgmental eye on Wreck. But um, no, having seen it first, there's no, there's really no comparison. And to your point about Wreck 4, yeah, that's the one where they, you know, they brought back Angela Vidal or Angela Vidal. And in some ways it made sense they did they did kind of one of the standard things they pretended the last movie didn't happen um you know and we're we're kind of back into that into that circus um yeah there's definitely some problems with that one i still i mean come on i'm grindhouse zombie for christ's sakes anything that's got a zombie in it i'm probably gonna like at least a little bit (laughs) um so i did enjoy that one but yeah there was definitely some uh problematic things in that one i would agree yeah, what one of the things that I truly appreciate about it, Wreck, though, was, you know, on the first time watching it, you know, obviously there there's a lot of mystery in regards to the actual virus and just how it's spread in, basically what it is, well, where the hell did this thing come from? And as someone who's, like, watching it, you know, we, we only really hear, like, secondhand accounts, obviously, like, from the outside being uh, surrounded by the cops. And obviously, like, that, that causes a stir and frightens the... Uh, the residents and you know there's a lot of like trigger words kind of like thrown around at you like you know like nuclear biological chemical you know basically like you know it's basically just all that warfare in this case and uh it, that that does stay true in regards to quarantine as well uh but w- w- one of the one of the key differences at least between the two is uh one just the the origin of the uh the virus itself between wreck and quarantine and in quarantine there's also this moment where they're trying to get like tv service to see like okay well like how is the news outlet uh actually broadcasting you know this sort of information out to the general public because for for all they know like they're just being told you know you got to stay inside you know don't Try to leave this building, you know, it's for your safety, you know, all the all the typical BS that you would expect uh, to to be given in regards to like the commands from the cops in this case. But during the the news broadcast, you know, you hear like the police officer saying like, oh, yeah, like we uh, like the the building's empty. Uh, You know, we made sure to evacuate and all this. So they're just lying to the general public, which, of course, you know, what? (laughs) 
harkens back to like the whole, uh, oh yeah, you know, can't really trust the government in this case. <laughs> oh, conspiracy theories, yeah, and that that again, I think, is also cinema wise is very American too, mm-hmm. where you know the the nine scariest words in the English language is are I'm I'm from the government and I'm here to help, you know. So it's like, well, of course, yeah, we're gonna lie through our teeth. Everything's fine. There's just and at that point, it's like, if we've evacuated everybody, it's like, then, okay, why is the building sealed off? Is there something wrong? I mean, is, is the building sick? I mean, mm-hmm. like, it, it does, just doesn't make any sense. But again, when they're lying through their teeth, yeah, it's kind of easy to believe. But then, to your point about about Wreck and how they sort of dip and dodge around what it could be, you know, and they do say, oh, well, there's going to be a health inspector coming shortly to to try to sort things out. And then they use that term. I think it's BNC, biological, nuclear, or chemical. I mean, and that would that would scare the shit out of people, right? I mean, you know, but they constantly have the guy in there who identifies himself as an internist. I, I He must be working his way up the medical ladder somehow. I don't exactly know what that is. Um, but even even he is, you know, trying to identify symptoms and doing this and but at the same time they do have some spots where they have like say like the firemen and the police they try to have little clandestine conversations where someone slams a door you know and then we have our our heroine who says mierda for the 800th time in the movie um watching it this last couple times that got a little old (laughs) it honestly did like okay i I get it yeah and you don't have to translate shit every single time like i I figured it out after like the sixth one like i got it (laughs) um so i think they do keep some of even a little bit of that uh authoritarian you know you don't need to know philosophy a little bit even in wreck Yeah, that's definitely true, and um, I, I'm trying to remember how much Wreck made in the box office. Because uh, obviously, when it when it comes to like these remakes, um, you know, we're not always getting like a U.S. release for uh, the originals in this case. But there's also been remakes out there that I remember like watching uh, like a foreign movie, and then like within a week or two, I hear murmurs of them, you know, coming out with a, an American version of the movie, like what happened with uh, Silent House. Uh, which is one of them I had on our short list. Um, but yeah, it just seemed like, you know, we, we went through the whole J-horror phase, and they're like, all right, well, where else can we hit that we haven't done a ton of remakes yet? And they're like, oh, I know, we're going to go uh, to Spain. And, you know, to me, remaking this one made a lot more sense, because obviously, like, the zombie craze has really not died down all that much. Sure, it's not at, like, the peak of, like, you know, when initially, like, like when The Walking Dead came out. Uh, but, you know, we're still turning out Walking Dead, whether it's spinoffs or otherwise. So it's it's still an oh. ongoing thing. Yeah. See, The Walking Dead, though, and I, and I won't dwell on this. Well, first of all, your movie made 32500000 at the box office, and it's all listed as international. So there's no stateside numbers. Okay. Um, but The Walking Dead as a entity... Mm-hmm upset the zombie apple cart in in one way and it, and it upset it in one way only zombies and generally it tends to be films but there has have been tv shows over time but zombies tend to be popular when the world is in a fucking free fall that's when zombies are popular so if you look back at 2007 2008 hmm what was going on especially in the united states right um we had you know the the banking collapse, the housing market collapse, everything. So it, it totally makes sense that in that 
a stretch of about three years there, we had some, maybe even four years, we had some really good zombie stuff come out because that's that was the mood of the general American public. Everything is a fucking apocalypse anyway, so I might as well watch it on my TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but 32 million at least uh, international isn't too bad for for this type of movie anyway. But I, I don't oh. really know like how big like the Spanish uh, box office usually is for the genre. Yeah, and that's hard to say unless you want to go digging in or you want to start paying for subscriptions so you can get like deep, <laughs> deep into the whole thing. Um, but I, I mean, I think that usually, you know, whether you're at Box Office Mojo or IMDb, I mean, usually you can find those things and they're pretty, you know, they're pretty reliable. Um, and making $32 million on a movie on a budget of $2 million is pretty good. You know, I don't think anybody's going to. I mean, and and that that one equation there is probably what gave us a remake here in the States. That's probably what did it. You know, somebody went, carry the one. Ooh, there's some money that are to be had. So it makes sense. Yeah, plus it it also helps to, like, at least with this genre, hey, we can make it on a shoestring budget? Absolutely. Let's green light this project. And uh, I just rake in the dough because that is still a common trend when it comes to the horror movies out there. Uh, but, you know, no surprise when it comes to American filmmaking. Obviously, like, the first thing they do is, hey, we're going to bring in some familiar faces. Uh, and hopefully that will bring in, you know, some more people to the movie theaters, obviously trying to opt the overall box office take in this. Uh, but, yeah, like, it, at the same point, though, like, I, I kind of feel like that retracts a little bit in, in regards to the purpose of it being a found footage movie in the first place because like you're supposed to like feel like well this could be anyone but no it's not just anyone it's someone that you actually recognize in this case uh so it's like it's hard to like this dis- is disassociate ourselves from like no one like oh yeah this is jennifer carpenter and obviously like we're remembering him for primarily from dexter uh for the yeah, people in was, the u.s <laughs> yeah she was right in the middle of dexter um i think she started dexter in 2006 maybe so i mean at the time um the show was a hot property and you know she clearly was a very hot property i mean so i I guess it wasn't a surprise um and she's she's one of those actresses that i enjoy her work i don't think she's a very stereotypical beauty let's call her Mm -hmm. um she's kind of tall and gangly and whatever else but still in a weird roundabout way sort of sort of hot you know um so I mean I I guess I sort of like the fact that they didn't go with because if you look at Wreck they used a super cute blonde with pigtails, right? I mean so maybe for them that was a thing, but um so I guess I kind of appreciate the fact that they used somebody that wasn't a very stereotypical just beauty to play this part and I I I kind of always thought in quarantine they they cast her to maybe have her character be taken a little more seriously. Mm-hmm. Um um I don't know that that happened, but I think that was maybe part of the logic. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Uh, I was just taking a look at the kill counts to see, like, what the comparison is between the two. Uh, So looking at Wreck, we had 16 kills throughout the entirety of the movie. Uh, Quarantine up the ante uh, at 23. Okay. So well, pretty, not... I mean, regardless, like for, for a movie at this time, that's not a quote, like slasher or anything, you know, this isn't one that you necessarily expect like the highest body count. Cause obviously like we're all contained in one specific building, 
Uh, so 20, 23 is actually pretty, uh, pretty up there. But, I, you know, watching these movies now, just knowing, uh, you know, some of the recent releases that we have had, you know, when we get to the third act of the movie and the creature effects, you know, you can definitely draw back comparisons uh, when it comes to movies like, you know, Smile and Barbarian. Because these movies definitely, I'm not going to say it has like a brute aspect, but it does have like that really gnarly type of like, okay, like there's like a big motherfucker in here. And, uh, you know, we're trying to escape, you know, within the darkness at this point. Uh, but I, I just thought it was interesting, like, pinpointing it back to, to these movies in particular. And, you know, that might not have been, like, what initially started it, but it's definitely one that you could easily draw a comparison to. I was just drawing comparisons to, like, the creature design between these two and some of the more recent releases. They're just not as brutish uh, compared to you know, what we got well, in, like, Barbarian or Smile. Yeah, I think, well, I think Quarantine went out of its way to make it, uh, you know, the weird diapered thing that's mm -hmm. kind of walking through the place. Um, which I guess if you're making a remake and you've got to, you're basically doing almost a shot-for-shot -shot remake and you decide to change the ante, you got to up the ante, right? That makes sense. Um... Watching the two movies in the last two days, um, even now, and I don't know why, but Wreck is scarier. Um, even though it is, you know, Quarantine's almost a shot-by-shot -shot remake. But a lot of the scenes, especially, especially the stairway and how this, how this, this, these flights and flights of stairs come into play as almost a character in the movie, right? Especially when you've got the one lady handcuffed to the banister and it's almost like, you know, here's our, it's not even really a way out. It's just like our mode of travel, right? This is, this is our mode of travel from getting from place to place. Um, and I mean, and the one thing quarantine does that this movie did is adds an elevator. So quarantine puts the elevator in there and that's where we get the dog and all that where rec doesn't do that. There's no elevator, right? Um, but just these stairs and the way that they're used in the movie and especially towards the end of the movie when everything is just really going to hell. And there's one scene where they look down the flights of stairs and there's basically a zombie either on every flight of stairs or every landing that even like I watched it again tonight and it still fucking gets me. I don't, it still gives like it gives me goosebumps still, you know, for the probably 25 times I watch this movie. It's just like, whole, I mean, like what the fuck are you going to do? Um, but then even then, like, you know, getting. There's an interesting thing, and I, I got a very we talk about vibes from other movies, right? So. Mm -hmm. When they're running through the place and they're looking all over hell for the keys, it was a very resident evil vibe to me, you know, trying to solve the puzzle and trying to, and especially trying to find the key. I mean, for Christ's sakes, anyone that's played Resident Evil understands what trying to find the fucking key feels like. Um, but even getting to the penthouse, you know, and getting in there, that's when I think, I mean, not completely, but a little bit tonally, the movies sort of shift their perspective, right? And that's where things, I think, really become different because this is where you really find out that with all these people in there and how 
you know, like the old woman that was shot by the cops earlier shows back up. So it's like, oh, it turns out these things are hard to kill, right? And you have our um our firefighter, uh, what's his name? Gailme? Gailme, I think his name, or something like that. Where, you know, he's at the point where he's just taking a sledgehammer to people or he's physically breaking their necks, you know, and just in an effort to to slow down what is slowly becoming a horde that is maybe the one piece where you have to suspend your disbelief for a while is that, again, talking about the stairs and how everything's kind of coming and going, there are times where the stairs are completely clear and there's times where they're completely packed and it's like, maybe the one thing I've sort of always went, hmm, but always kind of enjoyed at the same time, it's like, where the fuck are these things going in the meantime? Mm-hmm. It's like, are they are they sitting down and playing canasta while they're not <laughs> attacking somebody? You know? So... But then you have all these different these different uh, apartments in this place, and it's like they go out of their way to show you that as they're going by, some are open or some are closed. But there's always this hardcore like go up or go down thing. But then as the movie progresses, going down becomes less and less and less of an option, you know. And then as they do their Resident Evil hunt, and they finally find the keys. They get up to the penthouse that's been closed up forever, and no one's been in. And then I think this is where, for me, the the movies take a tonal shift between each one of them. Yeah, really the only other key difference in regards to quarantine, at least from a character perspective, is we have a veterinarian in the remake. Uh, And that's kind of like how they do the initial reveal that, you know, maybe this disease is linked to rabies, uh, which does end up being the case in, you know, quarantine when we get into the third act so i i i think when you when we're talking about just the way that that they handled the transmission of disease and like the reason behind it you know obviously you have one side of the fence which is heavily supernatural in a wreck and then you have the more natural causes that we have in the u.s version with quarantine and, you know, for for me, I, I remember watching Direct for the first time and I was like, wait, what? Because initially, like, I was so caught off guard by, like, the explanation behind the disease that it just it took me a moment to, like, actually process the information that was being fed to me. Even though the third act of Wreck spends a good amount of time actually fixating on the different, like, news articles and, like, the newspaper clippings in regards to, like, feeding you this information so you can get the lore behind everything that's going on. Which we don't really get in quarantine. Quarantine basically, like, pans around the area, and it's just, like, in and out. And you're like, well, what the hell is going on here? And it's just like, man, like, they... It just feels like it's, you know, foot on a gas pedal. It's like, yeah, we don't really care about that. We're just going to get to the end of the movie. So it just... I don't know, there's just something about quarantine's third act... When you compare it to Wreck, that just feels so frantic that it's just like, well, what is the ultimate end goal here? You know, are they just like trying to get to the end? Because like we already know how things are going to end because, you know, both of them have that, you know, drag away moments in regards to Angela and Jennifer Carpenter in this case, uh, which, you know, ended up being a pretty prominent uh, moment, at least for the show. It, for the genre as a whole, because like obviously this also came out around the same time as Paranormal Activity did, and uh, these dragaway moments just kept happening more and more, so much to the point where it became just a cliche of the genre. 
Well, I think you're right. I will give... <clears throat> I still like Paranormal Activity, the end of it, because they did the opposite of a drag-away moment, the first one. Mm-hmm. They did a throw-a-body-in-your-face moment, and I, I thought that was that was super spectacular. To what we're talking about... Yeah, when you're watching Quarantine, there's they're basically giving you little sips of it's a disease, it's a virus, and then the, the word rabies comes in like halfway through the film. Right. You know, and that's where we talk about the dog and everything else. Whereas in Wreck, they talk about it, you know, there's a disease, there's a contagion, there's but they never they never name it. They're always tiptoeing around it. So no one ever puts a puts really a finger on it. And then once we get into the the penthouse, and I'm sorry, that looks pretty fucking awful for a penthouse. I would not pay for that. <laughs> um, it's not a disease at all, really. Mm-hmm. It's more of a possession. Yep. Um, and to your point about the newspaper clippings and whatever, there's talks about, uh, you know, the, the Vatican's investigating, and there's all these things happening. And it's like, I was kind of the same way. We were like, like what? Like, you're, you're kidding, right? That's what's happening? Um and I think the first time you see it, you do have that, like, it really gives you one of those, huh, moments where I think it, it, it derails you a little bit. Um, but I think they do enough with the way that they shoot it, the way that they, they get into the room. It's dark, so they're building tension. He's got to fuck with the camera to get the light to work again. All, all these things are happening. So... Even though they're going to give you this big reveal that is like literally the polar opposite of what you thought it was going to be, they've done enough to build up the tension where I almost think it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, well, okay, you know, and to be perfectly honest, the movie is so good up to this point that it almost really doesn't matter. Um, anything that's truly, call it zombie in the world. Every movie takes a little bit of a shot at trying to explain things to you, and most of it is so goddamn far-fetched that it doesn't really matter anyway, so in this case, why couldn't it be possession? But this is also the scene when they find, like, the tape recorder and things where I get the Evil Dead vibes, Mm -hmm. like, all day long, you know? And he's just talking about all the tests that he's doing and all the things that he can't figure out and whatever else. He's like, if I can't figure out something, we're all doomed. And it's like, I mean, come on, that was... If you don't know where that came from, you're just you're not watching enough horror movies, right? Um, but it was still, honestly, it was still pretty rad for me. I was like, well, yeah, okay, I'll take it, I'll take it, because it's, I think, for a zombie movie of this scale, and I, I mentioned Evil Dead, but I mean Evil Dead is zombies, but on, generally speaking, on a pretty small scale, right? It's one or two or maybe three. If you're completely fucked, it might be three. Um, so this, when you've got to your point. 16 kills i mean you know you're you're, you're kind of pushing up against a horde right that's a lot to deal with um and what they show us is that basically these things are just about unkillable so the religious aspect of it and the fact that it might be possession actually makes the fact that they're borderline unkillable even more palatable to me like, oh, okay, well, they're they're possessed. It doesn't matter if their neck is broken or they've been shot through the eye. It doesn't make any difference. You know, they're still going to keep coming because, you know what, I've seen The Exorcist. I've seen Legion. I've seen other things. You know, it all, it's like, oh, okay, sure. You know, so it's it's not hard to go forward with that. Yeah, I do find it interesting, though. You know, I'm going <laughs> to go back to Sky Sharks for a minute here. 
Oh God! So <laughs> this is this is worth mentioning. Uh, so you know, going back to the opening of Sky Sharks, you know, we see the priest trying to fight the Nazi zombies with the cross, but in in wreck. None of that is present anywhere in the movie, <laughs> despite it taking a religious approach to this virus. So it just made me just, like, laugh for a moment, just thinking about that. Uh, but yeah, so, in regards to the penthouse, though, in Wreck, uh, you know, it is worth noting that the penthouse owner was, you know, originally clergyman of the Vatican, you know, they, they tell us that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, he talks about how, like, there's that suggestion of, like, infection basically being a mass possession, as you had mentioned. Uh, and, you know, I, I think one of the things that makes it work so well is just the fact that, you know, it, it does take that time to, you know, show you all of the clippings. You know, it's also kind of like just a, a thing of the environment, too. You know, you, you know, we got, the, like, this worn like really crackling audio uh in regards to like diary being fed to us just kind of like drowning out the background uh and wreck takes it very seriously and i i think that approach like really helps authenticate the entire experience like that you are going through at the time as you know things are starting to slowly unravel here uh, in regards to, like, the, the overall reveals of the movie. So it really helps, like, authenticate the idea that it's trying to display to you. Uh, which, I, you know, when we're talking about, like, explanations in cinema, especially, like, with these U.S. remakes, I I don't feel like they they treat them in, in like, the same fashion. It's just like, all right, well, we're, we're just going to give you, like, kind of like the bare-bones structure of this, and then we're just going to throw it at you, and then, oh, there it is. All right, take it or leave it. Well, towards the end of this one, though, because they because they decided to give you um, and shout out to my buddy Ricky, an expedition dump, mm-hmm. but a slow and methodical one that for me is really appreciated. Um, and it's what you said, the newspaper articles, everything that they see, there's all this equipment, the tape recorder, there's a really oddly shaped glass beaker that I have a thought or two about, but we can come back to that. <laughs> Um, but it is funny how it, it changes, it changes the whole movie so tonally and it does it, I think fairly quickly, but it does it very carefully too. Um, and I think that is not something that a lot of movies do. I think generally if they're going to give you, especially a third act reveal, um, it's generally either done with something that's fairly obvious because I mean, let's face it. A lot of people that watch movies are morons, but at the same time, it either it's very gently and very slowly in here, here it is, or they hit you with a sledgehammer. You know, this one literally used the slamming of a door, uh, maybe a 10 second scene of the dark to almost, it was almost your sorbet. It was your palate cleanser. And it's like, and the lights come up, and now we're we're firmly in Act Three, but now things are different, and here's why, and here's the details. It's not it's not insulting, mm-hmm. you know. It's not it's not too fast. Um, the thoroughness, like I said, I really appreciate that, but I think it really ups the creep factor too. And then as they're going through that room, and then the trap door from the ceiling falls, that's when it gets. It gets a little schlocky because they sort of telegraph it, but at the same time, 
and I think this is probably one of the first movies to use the let's peek into the attic and see what's up there, that kind of a la Paranormal Activity and other movies like that, especially the found footage stuff. But this was so well done. I mean, and I even watching it tonight, it's like trying to do all this stuff. And I look over and I see that the kid and I'm just like, oh, fuck, you know? So, I mean, it's like it still gets me. So I, that says something to me about the effectivity of it. Mm hmm. And I will say, like, after watching this, I felt so bad <laughs> for for Emily. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God, I know she doesn't do horror. This was not this was not a good night for her, for her to come to Twisted Tuesday for, like, the first time and, and talk to oh. us. <laughs> yeah, but she, got, she, got, she got a healthy dose of who we are, though. So, um, <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like it's kind of like bringing home the girl and trying to figure out how to introduce her to the fact that you're like a model train engineer. You know, <laughs> you don't you don't just show her one car. You take her down to your basement and you show her the 300 square feet of constantly running trains that you have. Right. <laughs> just get it over with. And if she runs screaming into the night. Great. If she does not. Hey, get, get on one knee and propose and call it good, man. Hey, she was probably screaming into the night for different reasons. But uh, to each their own. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just probably to kill me. I don't care. It's out there. I mean, yeah. <laughs> good thing that we have, uh, you know, chat replay on VODs now for, for a kick. So everyone can see the fact that, you know, Em was so scared to the point where she's just telling Jess to uh, head over after work. Wow. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, so, yeah, there is that. Ah, uh, So, again, you know, Rec, you know, one of the things that really stands out is just the fact that, you know, they, to me, like, it, there's definitely a lot more grit in that movie. It's more atmospheric across the board. You know, you have your more subtle visual cues. Uh, they use the technical tricks kind of like throughout the movie as well. Uh, but, like, quarantine. Like, one of the things that I had a really hard time, like, wrapping my head around. And I, I mean, I know why they did it, but it's just, it's, it's a product of U.S. filmmaking is for... It's a simple fact that, you know, with quarantine, they're like, okay, what are we going to do with this movie? Okay, we need to up the body count. Okay, how are we going to do that? Okay, I know. We're just going to simply double the amount of tenants in this building. Mm -hmm. So there's just a lot more cannon fodder when we're talking about the deaths in the movie. So I, I feel like there's definitely a point that needs to be made when it comes to, like, the kill counts. When you're when you're talking about just, like, spending time with the characters, you know, you, you definitely get to know more about the residents in Wreck as opposed to Quarantine because of that factor. You know, Quarantine, they're just there to basically just get, uh, you know, killed off and, uh, you know, possess and come back again. Uh, not so much with Wreck, though. So there's definitely some elements that, you know, Quarantine does seem to, you know, come up short. Obviously... You know, they they took some minor different directions. You know, I, I was really appreciative of the fact that they did go the dog route just because, like, they made it a point for rabies to kind of be, like, the cent like the center catalyst for this infection. So, like, there was a reason for it to actually happen rather than just kind of having something that was kind of, like, thrown in there, uh, which easily could have been glossed over if it wasn't for, like, the, uh, the reasoning behind, you know, the whole virus in the first place. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean... Character-wise, they didn't... Wreck didn't linger to make sure that you understood every single character, like we said. <clears throat> but they gave them a good introduction. You know, who they were. But like I said, there was no social security numbers or blood tests or like that. But then they also did... Each of them 
had their little kind of later movie cameo in there where they were part of the fucking problem, right? Um, but I also think one of the great things I love about Wreck, um, the zombies are very... I, mean, I think we can call them zombies at this point. They're very 28 Days Later zombies mm-hmm. um, with their noises and their speed and things like that. So um, I, I, as a zombie fanatic, I mean, and I'm, I'm constantly torn on the, the fast versus slow. Um, and I'm a little bit older, so I tend to lean towards the Romero-esque zombies. But there is something definitely in 28 Days Later and 28 Weeks Later, there's something about them that makes them a little more riveting sometimes. Um, so I think they did, they did that really, really well here. Um, and especially through a closed door and the rumbling stairs where you hear, and then you'd hear, as they went away. And it's like, so you got to, you got to sort of hear them moving as like a, you know, a pack of lemmings, basically, because I mean that's that's pretty much every that's pretty much what the zombies are in any just about any movie. But I, just these these were done really well. I mean, I still like the fact that basically they were unkillable. I mean, just about everyone that you saw die at least once, you saw them at least one more time. Um, the stairway again, the stairway was so super effective for me in Wreck. I just love the stairway. You know, and then getting to the end, you know, the creature in the end is there as they're viewing it through night vision and trying to stay away. And then we get our, you know, our sort of patented drag away scene at the end. I mean, even that was great. I mean, I. It's a little harder to fathom when you get to wreck two and we still have the same character and it's like, didn't I see you get dragged away in the first one? Mm -hmm. Um, So a little bit of, well, okay, it's a sequel. Fuck it. I'll just take it. Um. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I do like both of the movies, um, and I, no one will ever convince me of anything else. They're both, they're both fun watches. Hey, Quarantine is ninety-eight percent a ripoff of Wreck. I mean, it's for what they added. I think they did a fairly good job with it. Now, was it needed? I don't know. It's maybe, maybe not. Depends on you know how you're feeling. Do you want to see a dog jump into an elevator and maul a guy? Maybe some days you do, maybe some days you don't. Um, but, I mean, ultimately, 16 feels like a fairly round number, you know? Um, I know that within quarantine, they had an actual whole apartment building to work with, so it seemed like they tried to make sure they had at least two tenants in every single room. Um, there was a couple of them that were singles, whatever, and that kind of made sense. And there was a couple of families. You had the the mom and the daughter, and the dad was stuck outside because he was getting antibiotics or whatever. Um, yeah, I, this is one of those ones where I'm like, well, I believe Wreck is a better film, but I believe Quarantine's a good film. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't know if we'll say that every Wednesday throughout the month. <laughs> um, I think it's possible that we'll get to a point and go, and this, the American version was just crap, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Time is going to tell, uh, at least on that front. Um, so I'm trying, trying to think what else I, I had in here. Okay. So I talked about obviously just the fact that, you know, America is just like doubling up in regards to the overall tenants in the building. Um, and, 
you know, for for the most part, you know, I feel like when it comes to making a movie for the U.S. audience compared to like some of the other remakes, um, Quarantine is one of the better remakes out there, honestly. At least both from like just a film standpoint, but also like remaining true to uh, Wreck in the first place. My my biggest gripe upon hearing about the movie being remade was the marketing for Quarantine. Quarantine did one of the biggest no-nos when it comes to trailer making. And that is ruining the final shot of the movie. Well, <laughs> if we if we learned anything in 2023, if we learned anything, it's your marketing department that's gonna fuck you in the ass in the end. <laughs> that's who's gonna fucking ruin the whole thing. I I don't want to mention any companies, but um, yeah, <laughs> Mar- marketing are the people that ruin it all. I mean, and granted, they they make a lot of things great, but they also ruin a lot of shit. And that was definitely one of the things where it's like, you see the trailer and you're like, did you really? You just showed me the why? Mm-hmm. Why did you? Okay, you know what? It's like it's like getting to the end of Christmas, and, and but in the in the preview, someone says, "And by the way, there's no Santa Claus." Like, why? Why would you tell me that? Mm-hmm. But and by the way, there's no Easter Bunny either. So, haha, kid. You know, it's <laughs> like, I, come on, why do that? Yeah, keep me guessing a little bit. But mm-hmm. hey, go back fifteen years, slap somebody in the face, and go, "You did it wrong," because that's about all you can do at this point. <laughs> That that is true, but I I think when it comes to like these remakes, at least in the American box office, there there, no matter what happens, there's always going to be that underlying discussion in regards to whether or not this is just an obvious cash grab. <laughs> and you know, for the most part, I I don't always want to label it as that, just because like you know we're still in a mindset that you can make a horror a, a really good horror movie on a shoestring budget like we we've seen the returns uh tenfold when it comes to the genre more so in recent years compared to you know the, the movies that were coming out in the 2000s and obviously like the landscape has vastly shifted here uh with i mean obviously like the, the biggest uh, proponent of that being the success of Terrifier 2 in theaters and just how that kind of like opened up the door for even more like independent film uh, mm-hmm. to actually get picked up for wider distribution unless you're getting picked up by Lionsgate who will fuck you in the ass like they did to Cobweb. God, <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's always going to circle back to that for me. Just I'm so bitter about that. Uh, well, <sighs> can't win them at all. some point. <laughs> at some point, you got to let it go. But I think you're right, too, because it did the same thing. Um, it did the same thing for Skinamarink. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it's, I think the big piece of it, and I think you just really alluded to it is the distribution piece of it. And there's a lot of movie makers out there that can, that can look at Hollywood and just go, you know what? Fuck you, mm-hmm. you know, and go do their own thing. And honestly, with minimal marketing, mostly word of mouth, um, using people talking about, news stories like oh there's this new movie out and people are throwing up in their seats and then their popcorn and whatever else i mean using alternative medias to spread their message you know um and then honestly things like i look at i look at like my friends over at dbs film they use their discord to spread their knowledge that's what they do um and turns out you know they can use their discord to drive their movies to number one on tubi 
you know, and that to me is impressive, you know? So, I mean, I think the avenues that filmmakers have to use these days are far broader than ever before. I mean, and let's face it, uh, when it comes to horror movies, I think you and I've discussed this before. Horror movies are the only ones that have conventions and they have meet and greets and they have cast signings and whatever else. I mean, there's no, there's no rom-com conventions. There's no period drama conventions, you know? I mean, maybe other than like on the East coast and like civil war reenactments and shit, but I mean, it doesn't exist. So, I mean, horror has got a fan base that I think is almost unrivaled. It, it always does amaze me that the big Hollywood doesn't attack it more, but at the same time, you know, we've seen in the last couple of years, how even like, the big names in horror can get the big Hollywood treatment and go down in fucking flames. So, um, I, uh, shout out to any independent filmmaker, shout out to Damien Leone and the terrifier group, shout out to the Adams family and, um, hellbender shout out to everyone, uh, Edward Kyle ball and, uh, Skinner and Ross's awesome sauce. Just for the record, you better hear that Ross. And, but I mean, but so, I mean, Independent horror, I think, is definitely in its renaissance, and it's just, we're on the roller coaster, and we haven't even come close to the top yet. I think it's just going to keep getting better and better. So, back to the point about remakes and what they do and the cash grabs, that's always going to happen, man. It's just, you know, I mean, but when it comes to independent films, I mean, if you think about, as as I recall in my small, small, exceedingly tired brain, I think... Probably the most successful independent movie ever was the Blair Witch Project. Yep. Um, you know, I also know that like uh, Paranormal Activity was super successful. I mean, made on a budget of like eighteen thousand dollars, and like fifteen grand of it was the camera. I mean, so to people out there that want to make movies, do it because it is possible. Um, and we will watch it. We will watch it. And you know what? Even if it's Sky Sharks, and it is in a lot of ways, abysmal. Because in a lot of ways, Sky Sharks is abysmal. Um, but it was also super fun to talk about. And uh, the reality is, the best of the best of horror is the one that you see alone by yourself in the dark. The second best horror is the one that you see with your drinking buddies and you laugh at and you do. And so it's okay to be in that second category. Not everything can be the exorcist, right? Um but there's a lot of things out there that could be sky sharks and I'm fucking down for all of it. Man. <laughs> and I, I did find it interesting too. You know, you were mentioning, uh, Adam's family cause you were doing a recording, uh, with them yesterday. Then I, I found out like right after that recording, like their next movie got picked up by Tubi to be one of the Tubi originals. Yes. <laughs> so I'm like, Oh man, like just the, the overall timing of that yeah. worked out uh, pretty well. So I'm really excited to check that one out. Uh, but in regards to, you know, other movies that we could potentially do this month, you know, I had a really hard time, like, picking a specific one. Because to me, when it when it comes to, you know, foreign versus U.S., I think the two primary ones that probably do things a little bit different are Suspiria, because both of them are totally, completely different movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I, I know some of these other remakes are absolute garbage, so I don't know if I want to pick them. Uh, but Until the Two Sisters and the Uninvited was, like, the other two that 
I personally had like on my short list. But I also know like there are remakes out there on here that I listed that I hadn't seen. Like Old Let's Boy, see. for instance, was one that I was terrified to actually watch because I was worried that they were going to ruin it with a US remake. <laughs> well, as as often is the is the case. Um The Uninvited, I love that movie. I love it. So for me, that would be a pretty easy one to go between that and Tale of Two Sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish somebody would have gotten their ass going and made us a American version of Train to Busan already. Because I mean, yeah. I think they could have, I think they could have put it on that waste of money bullet train they have going in California. That would have been really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but so yeah, I mean, it, going to looking at the, I think I had, I think I had thrown out um, hashtag Alive and then Alone because. Mm-hmm. Um, I have seen them both. I I have I've only I've seen hashtag alive more than I've seen alone, um, and I don't remember how I feel about alone. But again, it's zombies, so I'm I'm a little prejudiced. That's just how it works. <laughs> you got to work around that, and I know that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty. The next one's yours, man. So I'm I'm kind of down for anything. Um, you know, maybe just not the day before. But mm-hmm. surprise me, <laughs> surprise me, but give me a little notice. No, so I'm I'm definitely leaning towards Suspiria. That would be interesting because the original Suspiria is a fucking head trip. It yep. is absolutely a head trip. So. Yeah, and the remake does some interesting things with the story, and it's completely different. <laughs> well, and as I recall, it has one of my favorite people in it. So do you remember who that might be? It's been so long since I've seen the remake. I can't even remember who's in the fucking movie. Really? Um, I, I primarily, I in the Suspiria remake, I remember the contortionist scene in particular, the whole pretzel bend <laughs> being a, a huge ordeal. Uh, but the remake does have a pretty good cast from what I remember. I know Mia Goth is in it. Yeah. And yeah. Th- and, Mia, Goth, Mia Goth makes me happy. <laughs> yeah, it's in like ways her. I won't talk about here. <laughs> it's it's got a lot of uh, young females in it because I know Chloe Grace Moretz is also in it. There's yep. another. There's another like other. Oh, it's Dakota, Dakota, Johnson, Dakota Johnson. Was the other yeah. one? Okay. <laughs> from from the from the Fifty Shades of this would not really happen in real life. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's not how this works. You don't have a choice. Shut up. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, but even like it. Like Tilda Swenson's in it, and Tilda Swenson is, I mean, for the acting world, she's just a fucking marvel. So, yeah. All right, that's the next one. Yep, Suspiria and that's, uh, versus Suspiria. Yeah, I like it. So we're talking a movie that came out in 1977, with the remake coming out in 2018. Wow. So for Twisted Tuesday, which one are we gonna watch? That's a good question. I gotta see what's actually available, because uh, the remake was like two and a half hours. It's a long one. Yeah. 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 The, the original, not... I think, was like around 140, something like that. Uh... That sounds about right. It's it's around there. It's definitely under two hours. Yeah, that does sound right. What is the where's the 99 minutes, 99 minutes. So that's that's palatable. Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. And if, if I'm going to watch the remake of Suspiria, I probably going to want to watch that one alone anyway so mm-hmm. um yeah with kleenexes and stuff so yeah 
Well, hey, very, I, very different reasons, but yeah. Don't you don't you even judge me, man. Don't you even start. <laughs> did you see the uh, Turtles movie today? I did. I saw it this afternoon. Was it a piece of shit? No. Really? It was actually really good. I I saw the okay. I saw the Rotten Tomatoes score, and it was like ninety five critic. And like critic score, yeah. And the audience, the, the audience score was also mirroring that. Um, I did not score it that high. But if if I'm talking about like pure nostalgia, just the the interactions that they had, the soundtrack with Trent Reznor, fucking awesome. The soundtrack is really good, uh, but I really like the the art style of the movie. Uh, they did leave it open for a sequel, as you would come to expect. Um, yeah. But when I compare it to, like, say, the Michael Bay TMNT arc that they did, and even <laughs> compared to, like, the last animated movie, uh, they completely blew those ones out of the water, in my opinion. Really? Yeah, so I would probably have it like in the 80-something range. I don't know like how high I would go, but I, I was thoroughly entertained by it. Well, that's really what matters these days, right, is mm -hmm. being entertained. You know, you can be entertained first to be critical later. Mm -hmm. um, if you're not entertained, then it's really easy to be critical, right? And if you're entertained, then you got to think a little bit more about it. So uh, that's good enough. Okay. Yeah, I, I will huh. note there definitely were more like pop culture references in this one compared to other Turtles movies. But there were also callbacks to other Ninja Turtle movies in this one, which I like. Really? Mm. OK. Huh. Well, goddamn, I'm going to have to get off my dead ass and go. Eh, we'll <laughs> see. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, then on Friday, I got to go see the Meg 2 and see how fucking ridiculous that is. <laughs> oh, you know what? I want to see that. But the trailer has already made me hate it. Mm -hmm. So um, because, OK, the, the original Meg for as kind of borderline ridiculous as it was, it was back to that thing. It was really entertaining. And I like Jason Statham on the whole. I I, I like, you know, the transporter, the transporter, too, mm -hmm. for a reason you probably can figure it out pretty quickly. Um but he's a he's he's a decent actor. He's a decent actor, you know, and it's nice that, you know, a bald guy can get some work in Hollywood. Um, but I have a I have this great fear of this one being so over the top ridiculous that I I picture myself walking out of the theater and it has been a long time since I've walked out of a theater. I think the last movie was one of the later Transformers movies that I just went. Nope. And I just walked out, you know, and. Before that, it was drag me to hell that I walked out of. Just like when the, the demon or whatever it was got stuck on the windshield wiper of the car, I just went, nope. And I went and sat in the lobby and waited for my friends to finish the movie. I'm like, I, I can't do it. I just can't fucking do it. <laughs> but um, so I don't. There's a little piece of me that cherishes those times where a movie's so bad I can walk out on it. But I, it also disappoints me a little bit. So understandable. We'll see where it falls. It definitely is going to be way more outlandish. Uh, but, you know, the whole time, I'm just going to be thinking, well, this isn't Sky Meg. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> well, that's the whole point. Yeah, when you have a, a flying a flying ship with a giant fist on the end of it, that's <laughs> it, come on. I mean, yeah, it's Sky Sharks is probably going to be better than the Meg 2. It probably is going to be better, but. And it's definitely going to have less tits in this one. <laughs> I don't think there's a, short of it going to a nudist colony or something. I'm not sure how it could have more. <laughs> So, um, but hey, 
If you like a movie about flying sharks and blondes getting railed and men that don't get to finish, definitely watch Scott Sharks. <laughs> absolutely uh so anyways just as a reminder okay so next week we're talking suspiria original versus a remake that should be a good time uh and a lot more differences in in those two pieces because they are drastically different films as opposed to uh tonight's discussion which was wreck versus quarantine Uh, but in the meantime guys don't forget you can find us over on kick every tuesday for twisted tuesday at kick.com forward slash normally drunk we aired that every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, but yeah, hope you guys enjoy your weekend. If you are going to the movies, hope you enjoy whatever you're seeing, whether it's Ninja Turtles or the Meg 2, or, you know, maybe you're doing Barbie, Barbie and Oppenheimer if you haven't done that yet. I still haven't done either. I need to at least see one of them. But I'm pretty sure Jess is dragging me to go see Barbie this weekend, so I'm probably going to throw myself off a bridge. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well... Make sure there's a rope around your neck or one of your feet, so at least you you pay <laughs> you pay the price for it. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, my wife wants to see Barbie as well, so I'm gonna probably get dragged to it this weekend too. Oh so good, pray for I both will, of us. <laughs> I will I will commiserate you via cellular telephone <laughs> the whole time. Dude, please <laughs> fucking shoot me. Yes. Uh. And on that note, that somber note, that will do it for us here tonight on Hand of Scare. I've been your host, Tumly Drunk, joined, as always, by my co-host, Grindhouse Zombie, and we'll see you next week.